Happy December, lads and lasses, and welcome back to the Soccer Talk Lads podcast. In the throes of an insane MLS Cup playoff, Coach Greg Vanny unexpectedly departs Toronto FC for the LA Galaxy. We'll talk to Dwayne Rollins, the host of Soccer Today, about what that means for his club and what the future of MLS looks like in the GTA. Then we'll dive into the Premier League before feasting on the deliciousness that is the MLS Cup. It's a lot to cover, so let's kick off. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to episode 21 of the Soccer Talk Lads podcast. It is Wednesday, December, somehow, the 2nd. Um, and it is uh, just just me, Stephen, and Justin here today uh, trying to get some, you know, there's been a lot going down, some actual sort of, I don't know, like D-plus uh, STL uh, City SC news uh, that we got. Yeah, we got, we got, and, we got tweets. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> we got, we got hardcore tweets, baby. Uh, and, uh, you know, some, uh, some MLS playoffs progressing and, um, you know, it's, 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 it was, it just felt time. And so, you know, we wanted to throw one together and, um, we found a time that two of us could join up. So here we are. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff today. Um, we have, uh, Justin, you can probably tell us a little more about this, although we've already recorded it, you know, spoiler alert, peek behind the curtain there. Uh, but we have our very first uh, Soccer Talk Lads podcast interview today. You want to tell yeah. us about who we've got how coming do you, up here in a minute? How do you like them apples? Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, we interviewed Dwayne Rollins from the 24th Minute, host of Soccer Today. He's a Canadian soccer writer they call it soccer in canada right <laughs> i should have asked him i, I was, didn't ask him in the interview. When, he, when he clarified in football i was like yeah that's, not, that's what they call it though right, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. um to talk about the recent tfc news about greg vanny uh stepping down to reportedly coach the la galaxy moving forward and we also talked a little bit about the pending montreal rebrand you know and just general canadianisms uh, so there. yeah, yeah. Set, a, set a boot a few times and you know so just we love it made it happy <laughs> um yeah i mean I, I think most of our our discussion of vanny is contained in there but did you have any kind of thoughts that you didn't address there that you wanted to get out or no i think you know end? i think we covered a lot of it but just you know talking about it is a little bit of a new era in toronto because greg vanny kind of came in at the same time as like uh Giovinco and Bradley and Altador and like now they're either out of there or on the way out and Vanny's out and it's a new era in Toronto. I don't want to disturb you Justin Justin, but I just hopped on the Twitter and noticed that uh, both McTominay and hashtag Ole out are uh, trending. uh, You know we another peek behind the curtain we started this interview (laughs) within the last 10 minutes of the Champions League game and PSG had like just scored their third goal whenever between oh, so that's like, why oh, every other word you said was a swear word i got it yeah got it. <laughs> it was not good 
Well, and you then know, I'd hop a, on my GM meeting of the uh, New York Bruisers. So, you know, it's just been a day. <laughs> true, pro, true professionalism uh, by you right there to, to hop on the interview and get it done anyway. So interviews coming up. But before we get there, let's talk about this SDL S city. God, I'm never going to say it right. My entire life, I will never... I will never get all of the parts of this right. St. Been Louis covering City, this team for like 25 S- years. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, news. And I do say news with about, eh, what do you think? Like six quotation marks around it. No, we got we some got renderings, uh, new, baby. New renderings <laughs> of uh, the district uh, that the stadium will be in, which actually is uh, fitting because we uh, kind of closed our our conversation with Dwayne talking about the importance of, of building up the neighborhood around the stadium as much as the stadium itself. Um, and, you know, it, it looks good. It's nice to, like you mentioned, I think in, in the chat, in our text message chat, uh, it's nice to see the crest on things. The crest, it's grown on me. I, I really like the crest itself. I think it, I, I'm not, sure how it will look on uh, uh jersey when we get there but i think as as a crest and seeing it on buildings and things it, it looks, looks good sharp. on the side of a building that's that's, yeah. that's what it's perfect for <laughs> the stadium is you know hasn't changed substantially i don't think uh from from the renderings we've seen before um i think it's i think it's going to be great i'm really excited for it it looks like it has you know, a fairly small footprint, which I think is important for the space that it's in. And they're still going to get some, you know, greenery and some congregation congregating spaces around there, which imagine a time when we're allowed to congregate again. That'll be be nice. That'll be all these people with all their flags. Uh, Yeah. Um, I like how they, uh, they put in the, the pear tree in or whatever is, is directly behind the stadium and just, (laughs) just blurted enough. So you can't quite read the text. Uh, no, actually, if you zoom in, you totally can. So you know what? I was going to say no free pub, out, but apparently... Shout out to the Pear Tree Inn. Yeah, apparently St. Louis City SC, all about the free <laughs> pub. Um, I am uh, interested by and also kind of surprised by this third rendering that has the kind of, um, you know, some of it is is handicap accessible seating, but also sort of a an upscale kind of bar area with a, a few uh, rolly chairs right along the pitch on the sideline uh that's you know i, I assume is going to be the opposite sidelines from the bench um although it doesn't i don't think either side has a bench on here but um you know interesting to see that they're going to use some of that uh up close space for what i assume will be fairly premium seating mm. uh instead of just trying to cram in as many seats right along the uh touch line as as possible but I think, uh, what you know it, it kind of works too because like the stadium itself you're kind of right on the action even if you're on like the upper level because like I said it's that small footprint so mm-hmm. it, i i dig it yeah also in this uh photo i don't know if you noticed but a generic beer in front of this guy not a not a <laughs> i tried Bud- zooming in <laughs> <laughs> not a budweiser product of any kind so uh that's oh, probably that the say? last time probably, <laughs> yeah either either that's a sign or it's the last time that we'll see uh, a, um, you know, non-Budweiser product in there. And, uh, you know, charitably uh, in the 90th minute in this game, uh, STLSC is beating uh, AFC Aries three to nothing. So, you know, um, yeah, the I don't know. German, why we... the, uh, the Greek superpower, I would assume. Yeah. I'd, yeah. You know, it's a different world. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it is, it is. Uh, and then there's a, a shot from inside the, 
stadium, which shows you, you know, some of the maybe more of the exec level there and the um, Ferris wheel on the background, which I think will be a cool feature to kind of see from the um, see from the interior of the stadium. I love I think one of the things Bush did uh, really well, this new Bush Stadium is have a lot of kind of open air stadium mm. spaces where you can see out into the stadium. Uh, or into the city rather. And it's, it's pretty obvious that they're trying to emulate that here. I think. Yeah. I was just about to say like, you know, I know it's not the most like impressive looking stadium, but just like mm-hmm. the amount of open space is fantastic. Like yeah. I think you, you know, it's essentially like four stands and like just open area the whole way through. So that's pretty well, cool. And with, you know, with an MLS stadium, it would be pretty silly to just try and build some towering, you yeah. know, at Eddie had level monument to <laughs> football. Cause you're never going to fill it. And you know, I just think this makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, again, and I don't mean to step on the interview itself too much. um, But I think the point Dwayne made, you know, towards the end about just the necessity of building a a game day experience. Mm -hmm. um, That's going to be huge for, uh, I think, this club, you know, I think there will be a, a really healthy and this is maybe something some of the Uh, more struggling uh, MLS clubs lack, but I think there will be a really healthy baseline, just kind of rabid um, support group. I think the, you know, the um, people who supported STLFC will come around uh, in, in two or three years time. And then, you know, a lot of the kind of uh, soccer crazy, um, you know, immigrant communities and, and just, you know, soccer crazy people who have been, you know, part of the soccer community in St. Louis for a long time will be, you know, a very a healthy baseline that will always kind of be there for the team. But if they, if they really want to be a powerhouse and, and get full houses a lot, they've got to offer people uh, some other reason than soccer to come into the door, yeah. you know, cause it's just, it, that is the reality of communicating uh, this sport to an American audience right now. And I think that's changing and evolving over time. And I think, you know, the, the, per, uh, the, I forgot penetration, I guess is the word I was trying to say of the premier league. Um, and, you know, hopefully uh, USMNT being on the rise is even more so as we get closer to uh, the opening of the stadium and all of that should help. Uh, but there's still got to be that, you know, reason draw to the stadium that isn't just the game of soccer itself. And I think these renderings offer a little bit of a glimpse uh, of, you know, what that environment will be. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, I don't have a lot more to say. I don't know if you had any particular points on any of that. No, I just um, want to say it's clear that they listen to the podcast by the clear amount of flags that are in this picture oh, and in these renderings. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that, Stephen. <laughs> Zero question that they are big uh, flag. Um, They're pandering. They're pandering to the SEO podcast. Yeah, and you know what? I will. I'm happy to be pandered too. So you know, none of these. <laughs> I'll, flags I'll accept the pandering. <laughs> yeah, have offended me, and they have all earned our seal of approval. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, in a world where we're probably not going to get like any personnel news in a while, it's it's nice to actually have something yeah. to sink our teeth into. They have in the uh, wider outside shot uh, an American flag, which I think is you know a, a bold prediction that we will still be the United States in twenty twenty three. Man, <laughs> who knows? At the rate we're going, who knows? So, um, you know, that's uh, those are the renderings, and uh, we've talked about it plenty. It's going to be a real 
devastatingly slow trickle of news uh, over the next three years. And, and we're just going to have to deal with that uh, and get through it as a community. And that's one of the reasons that we uh, plan to more and more reach out to uh, other folks in the MLS community who, um, you know, have kind of established clubs and, and get you all perspective that maybe you're not used to, get you more familiar with the league and the teams in it, which, of course, in my expertly handled transition uh, is why we reached out to Dwayne and asked him to um, jump on with us for a little bit. So I think we can just go ahead and throw to that interview if you're game, um, Justin, and uh, we'll just come back on the other side. Sound good? Let's go talk to Dwayne. All right, here he is. Dwayne, we've never, uh, you know, we don't know what this interview is going to say. It's, you know, we haven't recorded it. So here we go. Who knows what's going to happen. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Soccer Talk Lads podcast, this STL podcast. We have a special guest for you today, a little bit something different we're doing. We're bringing in Dwayne Rollins to talk with us a little bit about kind of the Greg Vanny, the TFC news, to get a little bit of perspective on kind of what's been going on. Obviously, you know, we're a couple of St. Louis guys talking about an upcoming MLS expansion, so we're trying to learn as much we can about the comings and goings of the league. Dwayne, how are you doing today? How's it going? Um, I'm well, thanks. Thanks again for coming on on a little short notice. I think this news has kind of hit everyone on a little short notice. As Was there any rumblings kind of going into the end of last year with kind of Vanny's status and everything going around the team? Um, not really. Uh, it, it is a little more difficult to say than it would be in a normal year because it's not a normal year. And if, if you don't know, TFC wasn't based in Toronto this year. So other based on Connecticut, uh, which I live in Hartford and I couldn't have got there even if I wanted to. So it, uh, it was a bit strange. He couldn't cover them day to day, but uh, his contract was up. There was a lot of, you know, assumption that he would probably just sign another, another deal at the end of this. But uh, when the news came out and then you listened to him in the conference yesterday, it sort of became clear that, that a lot of what happened here is that uh, it's more of a personal decision by Greg Vanny that he needed to maybe, um, return to his roots. And obviously he's, he's a Southern California guy, uh, finished his career for the LA galaxy. He uh, started his coaching career, which he was USA on the youth side of things. So, you know, that's kind of his, where he's from and a year away, it was a very tough year for everyone associated with all three of the Canadian MLS teams, uh, you know, to be stuck. <laughs> and I don't mean any disregard to Hartford, um, or Jersey or Portland where the other two were, but to be stuck away from you're not in your bed, you're not with your family, you're not with your kids. I, I think that it probably played a big role. And, and you can see the emotion in his, in his eyes and you just hear it in his voice when he, he said it yesterday in the press conference. But um, yeah, it, it's very rare that a coach gets to leave in his own terms though. So I think that that's the, the first thing you got to think about here. Like how often, especially in, in soccer, do you see a guy going, you know what, it's time for me to step aside. And, and now it's the team that's scrambling rather than the other way around. Yeah, it's very rare. And then, you know, you see him step aside, then all of a sudden instantly the rumblings about the Galaxy kick up. How do you how do you feel, you know, with being in Toronto about him kind of leaving to the Galaxy? Is there any kind of animosity there? Are you kind of happy to see him go on his own journey? I think that what you'll find... Sorry, that's my Google. <laughs> it's 
time to stop working up my work day. Anyway, nice. <laughs> there we go. Sorry about that. But uh, no, I, what you'll find with Greg Manny is that he is uh, very well respected in the city. And, and part of that's because he's just, he's a good guy and there's no other way to put it. And I know a lot of fans don't really care how managers interact with media. They think that maybe it's just media being babies when they complain about managers <laughs> nice to them or, or that they're sucking up when they say that they are nice. But in this particular case, it, it was very hard not to just like him as a human. Um, he was very articulate. He was very thoughtful. He would take time, extra time away. He would answer extra questions. He would, I mean, even when he was asked the same thing or, or a tough question, he would always, you know, even when you could tell maybe a little bit in his eyes that he didn't really like it, he would always be professional about how he answered it. And, and you could just tell that this is just a decent human being. Uh, so no, I don't think anyone would, um, certainly the media side of things would hold anything against him on the fan side of things. I mean, you know, you're always going to find one or two, but yeah. <laughs> by and large, most fans will just, you know, celebrate what he brought to a franchise that, prior to uh, him coming on in 2014 was an absolute disaster. Uh, he is, uh, I don't know off the top of my head what, what coach he was because it's been so long since I had to figure this out, but, but it was just a revolving door. We used to joke back then. I, I remember going to Greg Vandy's press conference and saying to one of my colleagues at the time is all oh, welcome to the, you know, the annual TFC coaching manager change press conference. Cause it was really every year. It seemed like it sometimes more than once a year. And it, and it really needed that stability. And Greg Vandy came in in 2014, and uh, you know, it wasn't an initial success. 2014 was a weird year for TFC, but uh, they kept him on. And 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19 on, um, well, all those years that I just mentioned, they you know were in the playoffs except for 18. And in 18, they made the you know the Concacaf Championship game, which ultimately derailed their season because of injuries. So, so it was a highly successful, historically successful one you know, within an MLS context and ended a little sooner than we thought this year. But again, with the pandemic and the circumstances that the, the TFC and the other two Canadian teams were in, I don't think anyone is going to hold anything against the, the Canadian teams for, for not going deep in this playoff because they were just done mentally by the end of it. And you could, you could tell that, um, yeah, you could tell that. Yeah. I think it's just one of those years, you know, there's not really a lot that you can, really take away of meaning just because of obviously MLS itself is always insane, but then you add the pandemic on top of it. And it's just, you can't really learn anything from 2020. <laughs> well, Seattle's probably going to win, which would be yeah. right there, but uh, look, this isn't Vanny, but what all, what sums up the task that the, that the Canadian teams had is that the Pozuelo, Alejandro Pozuelo, who will be likely the MVP of the league, was asked what he learned about himself and what he learned about um, him as a player during this year in, in his wrap-up interview uh, two days ago. And his answer was, I learned that I missed my kids. Mm. And that's such a human response that it kind of tells you that this wasn't just about soccer. It, it was about these guys trying to go through something just unique. And the time this last stretch rolled in, like the, because TFC couldn't go home. They couldn't train back here. They had to stay in Hartford constantly. They're in a hotel room. They're, they're quarantined in that hotel room. Like, I mean, we have people around the country, both countries here that are complaining go to Walmart. And these guys couldn't even leave a hotel room, right? And couldn't be with their families. So it's a lot of burden on them. So, yeah, I, the Vanny move is, is, as I said earlier, has got to be thought of in that regard. And 
yeah, I'm, it sounds like I'm making excuses for TFC this year. Perhaps I am. No, I think it's it's good to put it in perspective. I think sometimes us as people looking at the sport from the outside in kind of take for granted just how hard that is. And, you know, being away from your family for that long, like that's going to take a toll on anyone, especially when, you know, this year itself, like never really seemed that important. So you're there, you're playing these kind of like pointless soccer games and, you know, you're away from your family. It's got to be tough. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah. <laughs> so I guess moving on from Vanny, like where do you see TFC going from here? Cause it, they're kind of blindsided by all this. Yeah. Um, Ali Curtis, the GM um, said in the press conference yesterday that it would be a, an off season, like, like none other in TFC land. Uh, and I think what he meant by that is in the new era, which is sort of post um, the good era. That there would be some turnover. Now they didn't when they put out their end of, of year roster moves. There weren't a lot of moves there. The really the only notable one was that they didn't extend the contract extension to Piatti. Um, that doesn't mean he won't be back. But they're going to try to negotiate that the TAM deal from a DPD, DP deal to a TAM deal. Other than that, a lot of the players went back. It doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be moves. There's a lot of speculation in the city about Josie Altador's future. He's the guy that mm. does not look interested at times. Uh, last year, um, again, as a someone who's followed Josie's like whole career, yeah, it's Josie is kind of an enigma at times. Yeah, it, well, and when he's she's the girl with the curl, if you're familiar with that, that old saying, like when he's good, he's very, very good, and when he's bad, he's very, very bad. And it's kind of that sort of element with him. He, uh, yeah, he was a, he was a non of non factor for this year, and he's paid a lot of money, and he's taken that. And more importantly, he takes up a DP spot for TFC and TFC, mm, right. Their ownership, if you don't know, is Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, which are the same folks that own the Leafs and the Raptors. Um, they also own the CFL football team here and TFC, obviously, and the and another hockey team as well. So they they have money and they, they have money and they have influence in the the community, but they will make an investment. So if your DP isn't um, doing what DPs are supposed to do, then they need to get rid of that DP slot so that so that they can bring someone up to can. And and that's kind of what's gonna, what will happen there in terms of the coaching. Uh, today, Ben Olsen's name was hooked to it. I, that basically made every TFC fan start screaming into the void. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know what that's about. And uh, I can tell you that <laughs> I don't know what this means exactly, but but the spouse of one of the executives for uh, for TFC uh, liked a tweet of mine that said they would, this probably wasn't going to happen. Take that for what it is. I, that's not exactly <laughs> high end journalism that but but uh, nonetheless I, I would be pretty surprised if that was the move they, they will likely invest like there's a salary cap on coaching and mls oh, sorry i'm gonna put the dog up here since they don't care like this. yeah just kind of make that splash it's interesting because i think i think of the vanny era, era in toronto as kind of coinciding with like bringing in josie and bringing in michael bradley and giovanni soto and then you know, we're kind of in that new era now. So it'd be interesting for them to go kind of out of left field to bring someone in who isn't as synonymous with Toronto, but is a good investment for them. Like, I think that would be the right call. Like, unless you're going to go grab Robin Frazier out of Colorado and bring him back. Yeah, well, I, I doubt they'll do that. I, I, it's hard to speculate. I mean, there are some players that there are some internal candidates that will probably get a look. Um, those names probably won't mean much to most of your listeners, so I won't bother you with them. <laughs> That's um, yeah, <laughs> Indicchio might be the only one that I that some people might remember. He's the fellow the, the frisbees back in the day. But at any rate, um, it's 
it's so hard to speculate early on, uh, other than to say that I think that they will make an investment in this. You can look at Ali Curtis as, as his career and look at who he has connections with. If they were going to make a big shocking play, I think they would, you know, the only name that comes to mind, and I would have high doubts this would ever happen, would be they would somehow lure Jesse Marsh back with a whole pile of money. And there's a relationship there, right? But now, yeah. That would make a lot of people upset in the American soccer scene. <laughs> but second, it wouldn't be the first time TFC did something like that. Um, and I doubt it will happen. But that's, you know, there's some Red Bull connections there too because of Ali Curtis's past career. So maybe you look in their system. Maybe you look uh, sort of at a younger coach in Europe. That might be a model that they could do. It's a strange one because, again, and I don't want to, you know, COVID, 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 but I, you can't not factor that in as well. I don't know where they're playing next year yet. <laughs> like so yeah. to coach to come in and go, well, you might be in Toronto, you know, you might be in, in we can set you up here in our beautiful city and and here's all the great things that you have to offer. But uh, you're gonna be in Hartford, Connecticut for a while or uh, Tampa or something. It, it's just a tough sell at this point. So Dwayne, are you telling me that Hartford isn't a big selling point? Is that what you're trying to convey here? <laughs> um I um uh, think that Toronto, uh, some people might not know that, uh, that we're a little bit bigger and will have a little bit more to offer, I think, in Hartford, but with all, all due respect to the people of Connecticut there, I'm sure that there's some charm. So I guess, you know, looking at TFC's roster, you know, obviously not to brag, bring it home, but we are a little bit of a American-centric podcast here. Where does this put Michael Bradley? Because he's going to be coming back off another injury obviously he was captain of the team but you know with the new coaching staff does this kind of put him almost on the outs as well or where do you see michael bradley going from here he decided to a new contract last year um down got his his dp deal down to a tam deal uh he's been hurt a lot this year but it wasn't injuries that will necessarily reoccur uh, it was just an ankle injury that sort of took a while to heal um older as you say uh, what i would say is he did maybe play his best game of the year in the playoff game which was rare amongst tfc fan or tfc players <laughs> fortunately you know Mike, i love him he's not kind of open the offense he's uh, not, not really his game anymore um i have trouble he's very established in the city uh, his family lives here year round which is very rare for a toronto athlete uh, so they're uh, they're happy in toronto uh, they brought it obviously knows Fathers in LA, but his uncle, they brought him over to work for the club too. Uh, it's a family affair. And I have trouble seeing him not uh, finishing his career in Toronto. I mean, there was some suggestion that maybe LFC would try and go for him for a while, but, you know, bluntly, I think they've got better players in his position. So, so I don't think that's going to happen at this point. Yeah, I think um, it's worked out well for him. And like he plays in that position where he doesn't need to be the fastest man in the world. Like he just plays, you know, and in that defensive midfield role. And, you know, as long as you have his vision, I think that's not going to go away. Yeah. The, the one thing I'll say is that there was, when he was out, TFC's best stretch of the year happened when Michael Bradley was, uh, was gone. Um, they, had, <laughs> yeah, they had a double pivot of uh, Marky Delgado and uh, Jonathan Rosario uh, kind of filling his role at the six. Uh, that is intriguing moving forward because, you know, Rosario's 28. And Delgado's, I think, 25, 26, somewhere like that. So that's just fresher legs, younger legs. And as I said, the stretch was their best at that point. Um, I think there's some thought even here in the city that Michael's played 
He's played even back in the back a little bit occasionally. I don't think that's his natural position by any means, but but I can see him moving more into a mentorship coaching role um, as the years get further and further along. Look, TFC's got decisions to make. This, this was a team that, that was built to win championships three, four years ago, and now they're, they're in the echo time. And it can still be good. I mean, they had the second-best record in the league in whatever season this was. They did still have the second-best record in the, in the regular season. Um, you, know, you can talk about playing Vancouver a bunch of times and Montreal a bunch of times all you want, but they still did get the results. So they're not bad, but they do need a refresh. And, you know, what Bradley does is an interesting question. Whether they keep Josie is an interesting question. Whether they bring Bradley back. Like, there are, are a lot of decisions more than TFT's had in a long time. I want to pass it over to Steven here because he's been a little bit quiet over in the corner. Steven, is there anything that you like to ask Dwayne before we move on from the Toronto talk? Oh, that's my, uh, that's where I like to be anyway. So, you know, no problem. Uh, oh, Dwayne, thanks for uh, coming on and, and talking with us for a while. I was wondering a little bit like, and we've kind of danced around it, but, you know, it does seem like that's, you know, the coaching change as well as kind of Michael Bradley and, and Josie getting older and, and maybe changing how they play a little bit. It seems like the identity of TFC is going to be kind of transforming going forward. And I was curious what you thought, you know, maybe they were going to set their identity as going forward. Are there particular players you see kind of developing into a more of a leadership star role? Or do you think they're going to bring someone in from the outside? Uh, or do you think, you know, they'll, they'll try to kind of get a couple more years out of what they have and then reevaluate. I'm just curious. Yeah. It seems like kind of a turning point for the whole, you know, organization. And I was curious how you saw that playing out. I think that in general, there is a desire. Um, one of the reasons they hired Ali Curtis to replace Timozvichenko a couple of years ago was because Ali Curtis's history with the Red Bulls and how he took um, an organization there that was just throw money at it and solve it and turned it into an organization which uh, would develop within and you look at the success of that NYRB2 and sort of the development of players there and, and TFC look I mean we all know Canada's struggles as a nation in the sport for years it's not you know, just the results from that but we are in a goal it's a very big and very soccer mad community Toronto there's a lot of potential here in terms of, of, of drawing on the academy side of things and Ali Chris you know I think is going to be continuing to be committed towards having Toronto be sustainable in terms of its development. And, and Iowa Canola emerged this year, the, the young forward, you know, Josie light, so to speak. And honestly, if you look at that playoff game against Nashville, the only time Toronto was like threatening to break through was when Josie came off for Akinola. And I think that that might be your first like hint that they're going to continue to develop that. And I think Akinola, um, recently committed to the U.S. Uh, seems to be anyway, so you should be happy with that. He did have Canadian options, obviously, living here. Um, I think he will continue to emerge to be the, the primary focal point up front. And that said, as a, the MLSE is, a money, is an, uh, an organization that has money. They have a lot of money, and they will continue to invest, but they might not invest at the inflated level that they have in the past. They, when they brought in Sebastian Javanko and they brought in Michael Bradley and Josie Altsford back in uh, 2014, 2014 and 2015, they overspent for them. There's no doubt about that. And even when they bought in uh, Pozuelo last year, they, they spent 
uh, something 10, 10 or $12 million on a transfer fee to bring him. Now, look, it worked out. He's the best player in the league. Now, and certainly, like, that's not hard. So, you know, if you're going to bring in, you're going to spend that kind of money, you better make sure it works in the did in this case. But I do think that they'll have a much more mixed approach in terms of how they'll try and build because MLSC, for the money that they have, are still, you know, a company that wants to, well, they're owned by a, a public company, so they can't be losing money just willy-nilly. They've, they've got to sustain themselves at some level because, you know, oh. shareholders are not going to otherwise, right? So, so it's a, a situation where they'll... Um, I think try and find that middle ground moving forward. And, and look, Alicurus is not a, a man who worries about his popularity. If you look at what he did in New York and look at what he's done in Toronto so far, he will make tough decisions. He he shipped Javinko off to the Middle East with you know without much without a chance for the fans to say goodbye. That that was one of the first things he did, and that's you know maybe the most legendary TFC player ever. So. It's a guy that doesn't have a lot of sentimentality when it comes to this. And there is even some suggestion that maybe the advantage decision was more of a mutual thing than they let on, even because that's just how Curtis and he's going to just keep moving forward. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, uh, it's just interesting to think about a team that, you know, I'm, I am getting to know MLS better and better as we get closer to St. Louis having a team, but for the last, you know, half decade, I've thought, um, Toronto is one of the best teams in the league, you know, and so it's interesting to think about how they'll kind of shape their future. I'm curious too, though, you know, you mentioned MLSE a few times. Um, Justin and I actually met uh, and uh, my co-host have my, our third co-host and I have a hockey podcast and we met uh, Justin through that. Um, And so we obviously talk about the Leafs a lot and MLS from MLSE from that angle. Um, but I was I was kind of curious how the team is viewed, how TFC is viewed, kind of within Toronto. Are they, you know, taking us as seriously as the, you know, Maple Leafs and now the Raptors, especially since they've been so good the last few years, or do they suffer from that kind of MLS sort of second tier uh, demotion? You know, that I'm I worry that in some U.S. cities the teams seem to suffer. Are they, you know, where are they in kind of the city's eyes? Hey. Yeah, you know, for sure, they're, they are the fourth team. Uh, there is no doubt about it. Um, and in case you're not familiar, it would be Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and they're mm-hmm. at a, a level that is quite a bit higher. Um, and then TFC would come after that. But it's not um, – they're not like – I know what you're saying. They're not like some of the older legacy markets in MLS where the, the MLS team is viewed as something that's way down below the college teams and below – the high school teams in some cases, that's not the case. Here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they, they definitely are, are given um, you know, their due. Like their, their uh, home games are on TSN, which is our national equivalent of ESPN. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's, and they get, you know, they have their own uh, broadcast crew. So they get, um, you know, five minutes or so on sports center, Canadian sports center. So you change the ER to an RE. Um, so that, <laughs> It's a whole other world up there. <laughs> yeah. A lot more curling on Sports Center up here too. Don't don't kid yourself. But um, it, it also might be among certain people more popular. No, they 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 are as I said the the fourteen. But what there there was a legitimate debate that was happening around 2016-2017 when CFC was going to the championship games, uh, in, in Toronto whether they had bypassed football like throw the ball in the air football, um, mm-hmm. which might seem completely 
strange to an American audience, but you know, Canada doesn't have the same history with the sport. We have some history with it, but not to the same extent. And in the yeah. city I'm in, there's not the Argonauts, the CFL team are not that beloved. And I think that it is pretty clear that they have bypassed the Argonauts in terms of popularity. They haven't bypassed that in terms of attendance at the games and, and that. They're, they're just it's not close. So um, in the market like him in, it's hard for me to say because confirmation bias. I, right now, if I stick my head up on this balcony and look and squint, I can see the stadium. So I'm kind of in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And, not you know, if I go location. to the, if I go to the store today, like I'll see people wearing TFC apps and TFC jerseys all the time in this neighborhood. Now mm-hmm. it is more of a, of an, it's like the king of the niche sport, it's the, the biggest niche sport. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. I think that's uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about St. Louis is kind of somewhere only two, two major sports teams, but you know, there's a lot of hunger for uh, MLS in a certain market, and then it feels like there's probably going to be a lot of apathy, and they're going to have to earn a lot of respect in you know the general public. So, I'm sure it's pretty similar in Toronto. Uh, the sure. last, no, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah. What I'll say is one thing that TFC really did early, and I don't know whether anyone from St. Louis is listening, is they made them accessible. Um, you mentioned the Leafs. People will argue with me this, but the least popularity is it's like what I say waning. It's like it's not going to disappear overnight in this city, but it would cost me $500 to go to a Leafs game. You know, to by the time I get there and have dinner and buy the worst seats in the stadium and it's freaking Leafs, so whatever, but it would be about 500 bucks. Whereas I can have an entire season ticket CFC for that. Mm-hmm. That's really something that they did very well on and they created a community around the stadium. Um, the stadium in Toronto is, I don't know where the St. Louis stadium is going to be, but it's adjacent here. So that really mattered. And, and it allowed, you know, the pubs and the walk to the stadium and, and the color around the stadium during game day, which is really missed this year. Let me tell you, uh, was a huge factor in that. And that's what most average sports fans in Toronto would say when they think TFC, they'll think that's a fun game. I only go to what, two, three times a year, but damn, I have fun when I'm there. And they may not pay attention outside of it outside of the core audience that listens to shows like mine but they are engaged and they accept it as a legit sport and something that they should do a couple times this summer yeah yeah that's awesome i think that's you know what any team needs is that kind of experience to keep people coming uh my last question and then i can let uh, justin ask any of the more scholarly questions he has uh since we do have two years here um before we actually see boots on the ground uh, soccer being played in St. Louis. I think a lot of folks who are listening to us kind of need a team uh, to cheer for in the interim. And I just wanted to give you a, a chance to uh, give us your pitch Ooh. for why that team should be uh, TFC. Well, ironically, TFC is one of the more American teams in the league. So if you like American <laughs> soccer, <laughs> in terms of the Josie watch. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got Josie and Michael, but it's more than that. If you look at their championship teams, uh, they didn't. They, they did not fill all of their international slots. Now, part of that is because Canadians and Americans count as domestics up here, uh, so that's a little something there. Um, you know, it's they're kind of a. There's a bit of a hipster outsider appeal to to Toronto within the American context. Uh, we're a big city, and we're hated in Canada the same way New York is hated down there. But in <laughs> we're Toronto, and like, wow, it's Toronto. And the Raptors won that thing. That was weird, wasn't it? But no, it. <laughs> 
it was weird, but <laughs> um, no, yeah, like I say, I think that the the players would be why I would say it, and the fact that they have really committed to trying to build a domestic talent pool that rather than you know they do have clearly international stars that come in, but they don't uh, over rely on it like some teams. You can look at you know some successful Portland, for instance. You look at their lineup, and all of them Americans or Canadians on that team. Um, maybe they check in a lot of people's minds, but they're not really how they make a, lot, a roster. It's all, you know, non-domestics. I think the domestic makeup of TFC makes them something that should appeal to to neutrals because they're, you know, you're cheering for guys that they grew up and played the sport in the same uh, setting that you did. That's a good pitch. I'm not gonna lie, that's pretty convincing. Uh, Justin, yeah, I'm, 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 on, I'm on the rope. I'm pretty convinced. Yeah. <laughs> So, Dwayne, before we let you go, I just wanted to touch on one more thing. You know, because that you cover soccer in Canada as a whole, there's this rumor that came out yesterday and gained steam today. It's surrounding Montreal, and they're thinking of a potential rebrand. What are your thoughts on that uh, craziness? <laughs> I talked about it a lot on my show today, Soccer Today. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, it's... Uh... Okay, first, first off, I'm not in love with the name Impact, Montreal Impact. That's a terrible name. It's a dated, horrible name. Um, that sounds like it was just 1990s when they named that team. It sounds like it was named in 1990. That's, that's what it's classic MLS name. is what it is, yeah. And it sounds like they came in originally. <laughs> yeah, well, especially that, I don't, like, yeah, if you're old enough to remember the 90s, that was a time when there was a lot of, like, you know, heat. Uh, <laughs> Wow, like whatever, like the, the extreme. That sort of the names were, were all the rage back then. So that's kind of timely that way. But um, that said, you know, it has been. It's, it's someone in, in Montreal that I was talking to today said, well, it's a shitty name. Sorry, I don't know if you can swear. <laughs> it's a bad name, but it's our bad name. And that's kind of what I'll say is like, I don't know what they're trying to solve by going with the, the FC route, uh, which you guys did as well, which anyway, it's... <laughs> seem like um like i'm of two minds because i know mls does work on this they must have marketing research that backs up the, that this is the way to go that there's less people alienated or something i don't know but it just baffles me because it's like it's a whole league of fcs now like what is the originality here it's just very odd yeah it yeah, just it seems like it came that. yeah and it seems like it came out of left field too which is what i was like kind of you know, it didn't seem like there is a groundswell of opinion from like the fans aspect. And then they just kind of come out with that. It, I think there is the Montreal market, which I do know pretty well, is a bit flaky. So okay. you need to hear that. Uh, so they, they haven't embraced the impact in the same way that TFC has been embraced or that other successful MLS teams have been embraced. Uh, part of that's success, though. I mean, the impact other than 2016 really haven't been very good uh in the mid-eastern final in 2016 they were you know 30 minutes away from winning mls cup maybe things change if they do that that game that's the drug era right but even yeah. with and they didn't maintain a lot of the fans and i think that there is some perception there that there is a perception that it's mickey mouse that it's minor league like we mentioned earlier and, and taking this like sort of dated 90s name off and calling it something generic uh, might eliminate it what I don't get is like, what? You're going to wake up in Little Italy in Montreal tomorrow and go, oh, there's a new team in town. It's, yeah. <laughs> I guess I should check them out. They're nothing like those impact. Like, what? No. 
There's no more Florida Lee. What are we supposed to do? I'm sure they'll keep the Florida Lee. Glad <laughs> <laughs> I have a Florida Lee. That's something Montreal and uh, St. Louis have in common. So you know, yeah, we can we can buy put that on everything. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, do you have any any closing thoughts or Dwayne before we before we sign off here? No, no, I think, I mean, I, I really appreciate uh, you coming on, Dwayne, and, and, you know, talking with us and helping us get to know a, a market and a team that we don't know uh, super well. Um, and I look forward to, um, you know, when we are sitting in our living room on Mars watching uh, St. Louis City FC play SC play uh, TFC in the future. So it will be... Uh, yeah, it'll be a while, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Hopefully it's in stadiums because I, I miss being in stadiums. Oh, goodness. Yeah. yeah we, we had some fresh stadium, stadium renderings. renderings today, so so we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> All right. It well, was well, audacious well. of them to put people inside of the stadium renderings, but they did it anyways. <laughs> so let's hope. Vaccines on the way. Yep. All right, Joanne. Well, thanks so much. Where can people find you if they want to? If they liked what they had to hear, they want to listen to you a little bit more. We are. My show is called Soccer Today. It is live on Sports Podcasting Network, which is, is a S at SPN Soccer Today, which is the show handle, or you can go at Twenty Fourth Minute, which is two four th minute. Um, that's my Twitter account. You can pretty much get it in. Cool. Sounds good. And we'll link all that down in the all that goodness down in the show notes as well. If you. I want to hear some uh, Canadian-centric soccer podcast we talk. Cool. All right. Uh, Once again, thanks to Dwayne for uh, jumping on with us. That really means a lot to us uh, for him to take the time and uh come on uh you can find him on twitter at 24th to uh the number two the number four th minute uh at 24th minute on twitter uh and go to sportspodcastingnetwork.com to know more about his sites we'll put all that in the uh show notes uh well we will as long as i remember to which i'm going to do my darndest uh, to we do will so. certainly try. <laughs> yes, and if we fail, uh, someone can tell me and I can add it back in after the fact. But um, Dwayne, in fact, just tweeted that the Ben Olsen to TSC live story is uh, highly premature in quotes. So, you know. Yeah, Dwayne was uh, very adamant that Ben Olsen <laughs> is not going to try. <laughs> he felt pretty convinced. So. I don't want to say we broke news on our podcast, but I do want to say that we broke news while doing disastrous. We were, for uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would not be good. Um, I do want to say I appreciate the local like aspect of it because I think sometimes when we look at things from like a national point of view, like not knowing the insides and outs of the team, like I think it's I learned some things today about Toronto and in Montreal as well. Yeah, no, I think I genuinely think that's something um, speaking out loud, just planning the podcast on the air Mm -hmm. uh, that we should try and do is maybe try and get somebody from every team. Uh, You know, we've got 
like like we've said a lot of times, we've got two plus years of content to fill. So oh boy. Uh, maybe try, try to get a <laughs> podcaster or some representative from every fan base to jump on. And and I kind of like them, you know, sort of giving us their pitch for why they should, uh, why we should support their team and such. Yeah, so Except for Nashville. Um, we won't talk to anybody from Nashville, but outside of that, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, right. Never. I would never do that. <laughs> like, wait, that would be a disaster and a disgrace. But uh, any other team. <laughs> Uh, if we can even really call Nashville a team. Um, but yeah, uh, that'd be fun. So, you know, if you want to hear more interviews, let us know and uh, we'll plan to keep doing them. In the meantime, um, Justin, how's, uh, how's the Premier League going? You know, it's it's going. Steven, uh, you had a, a weekend, yeah? Uh, Liverpool came out on top. That's what I hear. Yeah. Um, it was a weekend. It was... <laughs> Listen, I'm of two minds about the Brighton game because yeah. I wouldn't almost three or four. It's it's very complicated. I <laughs> I hate VAR. I think replay like would sports be worse off if we just got rid of replay across the board I don't in every think sport? So. Or I you mean, know, the, just like have some room for interpretation. Like I think that's the problem yeah. with VAR. We've talked about it before, but the fact that like in centimeter offsides is like going to it's also point. just it's so dumb because it's the spirit of the rule you know like the idea of offsides if you go back to the foundation of soccer however many hundreds of years ago is to keep people from essentially cherry picking right to keep people from yeah. making runs well before the defense can keep up with them uh it's not so that they can be an inch you know i don't think sir Billy Sockerton, the third who founded the game, was worried about Mo Salah's, you know, pinky toe being out of line. Um, but you know, I, again, he was was he technically offsides? Yes. So should I be furious? Like I, I don't know. And you know, it's kind of the same on the penalty kick. Uh, for those that don't know, Liverpool got a lead in the second half. They did not deserve to have a lead, which brings me to my third point, which I'll make in a minute. But uh, they got a lead in the second half and had it until, you know, like the 88th minute or something really late. Andy Robertson kicked at a ball in the box, uh, made contact with a uh, Brighton player whose name escapes me. Uh, you know, as, as both of them were kicking at the ball, their foot, feet collided. And, uh, you know, VAR called it over and demanded a penalty and they gave a penalty and they scored the penalty and it was a tie game. And uh, that's what it was. And again, there was contact. I don't think that's a penalty in any serious sense of the word, but it's another issue where it's like, can I be mad at VAR for like pointing out that there was clearly contact, you know, like I think completely incidental contact and accidental contact but still you know I, I don't even know where to place my anger which I think is what's really frustrating about it. Um, <laughs> Who am I supposed to be angry at? <laughs> yeah exactly but all of that said at the end of the day that's a game that Liverpool didn't necessarily deserve to pick up even one point in. if you're looking at the whole scale of the game I think in the first half they looked awful uh, they had some some genuine children playing in that team. You know, Curtis Jones, who is is one of their brightest young players, but is not, you know, anywhere nearly yet on the level of, um, you know, some of their everyday midfielders who are out injured right now. You know, he did score the lone goal in their uh, um, 
uh, Champions League victory yesterday. So, you know, he's obviously a bright young player, but um, kind of out of his depth if he's kind of the, the captain of the midfield, which he was before Jordan Anderson entered. Um, Nico Williams also out there, also overexposed. I mean, and that's mm. that's really what I think, you know, the Jurgen Klopp, if I, people who follow religiously will know that he uh, got a little testy, would you say, uh, Justin? He's a little bit upset. The, uh, That's really the most yeah. anger I've seen come out yeah, of the clap. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was uh, a little juvenile, a little angry, um, and a little unnecessarily directed at the reporter himself. I mean, but... it's, it's no Jose press conference. No, but God, is. no. no. <laughs> Jose would put it to shame, but... Um, and you know, I th- it's I I'm sympathetic with both sides. You know, I think on the one hand, you cannot just give everybody five subs because the smaller clubs don't have. You know, that's just a bigger and bigger. The more subs you give, the more advantage you give to the bigger clubs, mm-hmm. whose fifth sub might be a Jordan Shakiri or a navigator or or whoever else you know christian pulisic in some cases like that's those are the guys that are on their mm-hmm. bench when you know some of the lower some of the brightons of the world are lucky to field 11 guys that can you know palatably be described as a premier league player so i get why they don't want that uh but i also get why there's that tension and I just don't know what you do. I don't know how you resolve yeah, it. I think I'm on the five sub rule side. Like I want it yeah. because I think it makes the quality better. Cause you know, everyone's not as tired. You see less injuries because people can get a break more often. Um, yeah. I mean, I but, even wonder if it's, there should be a revenue sharing component to it where the bigger clubs help play, pay for, you know, some replacement level players that the, sub, the <laughs> lower teams mm, can sub in yeah. because it's just, I don't know how you navigate it. And I think one of the increasingly, some of the biggest clubs are drawn towards the idea of doing a European super league sort of thing. And I, I certainly don't want to see that. Um, it's going to be terrible. You know, yeah, it's, <laughs> it would be awful. And I, but I, but at the same time, I do kind of get it. I, you know, it is money. I mean, I'm sure money mm. is a big factor there, but like there are legitimate reasons we're playing a premier league schedule on top of, you know, Carabao Cup, which most of those teams just completely blow off, on top of the um, other one. <laughs> Why is F- that one always? F- Thank yeah. you. I always <laughs> want to say EFL Cup, which I think is what the Carabao Cup is. That's like, yeah, that's... But, uh, yeah, the FA Carabao. Cup, um, which, you know, I think it, the big clubs only care about if that's their last hope if they're still in it late enough that that's their like one thing that they can cling on to for the season, you know? That's what I remember. Um, I remember that so vividly about Jose Mourinho's time at Manchester United is <laughs> trying to win that damn FA Cup. It's like, this is it. <laughs> Which is like, it's sad because the FA Cup should be like the really cool prestigious one. You know, the Carabao yeah. Cup is kind of a blow off, but the FA Cup feels like it's got all the history and could be really cool. And those, those big clubs just don't care because you know, they want to win Premier League for the money and their players want to win Champions League for the prestige. And also and, for the money. <laughs> and also for the money, yeah. Um, it's never not for the money in FIFA. That's that's absolutely a question. But, you know, it's just, I, it's sympathetic I've ever been to Jurgen Klopp in some ways because he was kind of a tool 
Um, you know, and I'm sure if he watched the tape back, he would probably feel that he was kind of a tool. And, um, you know, yeah, I think you're just seeing like, he's probably very frustrated and you're seeing, yeah. you know, especially like Tiago being out potentially, like you're seeing all of that kind of come to a head there. <laughs> oh yeah. And you see, you know, James Milner hurt, which the fact that he ever isn't hurt at 400 mm. years old is really an accomplishment, <laughs> but I get it. I mean, their, their team's been gutted and especially this year with the no training, no, um, you know, no real training camp or preparation for the season at all. How could they not be, you know? So I do get it. And it's just kind of, you know, I think this year it's going to be brutal, especially if they don't mm -hmm. implement the five subs. Uh, and then, you know, like with every other sport, will hopefully be something resembling normal uh for the following season um you know and and get back to that and and be alive again <laughs> um but i do get it i mean and you know it's still you would rather be liverpool than be brighton you know so yeah. <laughs> um i'm not that um I'm not that sympathetic at the end of the day. I think I said, I get it like 17 times in that. So, you know, just we get you're of five minds. We understand so, Steven. Just so people say, just so people know that I know that I'm going insane instead of thinking that I've lost my mind and maybe they need to tell me. Um, I just want to just throw that out there, but yeah, yeah, that's, it's a uh, good that's kind of the Liverpool perspective. They're still right up at the um, uh, top of the table right now. I think they're what third are they or, well, they're uh, tied second. with Tottenham for, yeah. So they're yeah, in second on the differentials. So. Um, so, you know, it's, it's hardly a lost cause uh, after 10 games, but it's, it's kind of wild even to see, you know, the top right now, I think it's a testament to how hard it has been that after 10 games, the top teams have 21 points, you know, that's a, yeah. a fair amount of points dropped by a Liverpool team that, you know, basically didn't lose last year. They've mm. already got three draws. They haven't lost in like two years. Yeah. Like the year yeah. before that, they barely lost either. So, so I mean, I, th I think that's, it's certainly not that they've lost players, uh, you know, I mean, in terms of being on their roster and, you know, cause they've added Diego, Diego Jada, who's been, you know, one of their big revelations of the year it's really got everything to do with that compressed schedule and those injuries and so for one time for old time's sake i do get it but um <laughs> it's still you know it's it's going to be on klopp to learn how to navigate the circumstances he's in uh and not just be a a bitter douche <laughs> for the rest of the year i think a little bit so you know the the January window will open, and mm. uh, if it is a problem big enough, uh, Fenway will uh, throw some money at it, and uh, Jurgen can, you know, maybe simmer down a little bit. But not great for uh, Liverpool. How's it going for everybody else in the prim? Yeah, so let's talk about it a little bit. Let's run through the standings, the table, as they say, across the pond. Uh, Tottenham. Leading the league right now, Jose's men, uh, 21 points tied with Liverpool. God, that was the worst soccer game I've ever watched in my life. Yeah, we're going to talk about that here in a bit. But uh, okay, in third sorry, place, I playing, I didn't want to jump ahead. Playing Chelsea, no, because I need I need to lead into it because I need to. Yeah. How much it was pumped into us about how we should be excited oh. about this Tottenham Chelsea game for them to both just like do absolutely nothing the entire game. Anyway, Chelsea in third with 19 points. Uh, Leicester in fourth after they kind of crapped the bed this weekend too in 18th like that's the thing no one's looking great like this is anyone's league still 
West Ham, West Ham in fifth, Southampton, Wolverhampton, both tied there with 17 points. Everton in eighth place, uh, 16 points. Man United has a game in hand uh, in ninth with 16. If they win that game in hand, they'll be tied with Chelsea in third as well. So like that with one game, they can go from ninth to third. That's all you everything you need to know. And uh, the fact that Ole is going to get sacked before then anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. Aston Villa in 10th. Man City in 11th. They're having lots of issues. Pep's, you know, he's there. He's having his issues. Uh, a little bit of a drop off from there. Leeds in 12th, 14 points. Newcastle, 13th with 14 points. Arsenal in 14th, 13 points. Steven, what is going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on with Arsenal is that Stan Kroenke owns them. Um, yeah, it's just karmic <laughs> retribution. <laughs> uh, I mean, that dude freaking curses everything he touches. So um, it's a wonder that Walmart isn't, you know, bankrupt by now, uh, since he's kind of tangentially associated through marriage. But uh, I do think, I mean, I, I think it is a lot of what we just talked about in terms of the, the really top teams. You know, I, th- I, I think with those three in particular that you mentioned, Man United, Man City, uh, Arsenal, I think they each have a very obvious reasons for why uh, they are struggling. Arsenal's reason is that they're just not good, especially, mm. <laughs> um, and, you know, they haven't been, they have not been it's the Arsenal. It's funny because all. Mikel Arteta, like everyone's oh, on a full court press to tell us how good Mikel Arteta is. Uh, yeah, oh. and he is a gorgeous man. Um, really, but that team is so trash. It's like <laughs> how beautiful that man is. But please go on with your serious point. No, what I'm saying is that team is so like badly constructed around him. Yeah, I mean, they have to like a, really pump it hard. How good of a coach my killer? They're team. just a genuinely <laughs> bad team. They would be the perfect team if if this is this is how weird my psyche is. Even in the video game FIFA, I could not manage Arsenal because I know that in real life they are owned by Stan Kroenke. But they would be the perfect team in my mind to like take and rebuild to their former glory in that sort of a mm. mode because that would be a lot of fun. But anyway, um, I chose Watford instead. You know, so if you love Watford, <laughs> stand up, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, Man United, I think you know the questions about Ole are and and have always been there and mm-hmm. I don't hold any personal ill will towards him, but I also think that when those questions are there and they're just never going away, I think at some point you should probably just move on for everyone's sake. You know? Yeah. <laughs> because... I think for me, all right, so let me get on my Man United soapbox here. Someone who watches them fairly regularly. Uh, you know, for me, I don't know if Ole really has tactics and it's like the thing that we loved about him originally is you went from Mourinho parking the bus to Ole who kind of lets the players play, which is great until like you come up against a system and you can't figure it out. You can't beat a low block and they never can. On top of that, like I think Paul Pogba needs to go. Like we've kind of talked about it before, but like it's tough because he's so talented and there's just these moments of absolute brilliance that like nobody can do. But like, I don't know how that works with him. Like I think Donnie Vandebeek is much better suited for this team right now but you can't make everyone fit in the midfield and maybe you save a little bit of money with that. They can reinvest hopefully in a striker that isn't, that isn't Cavani and it's tough because they're like going to get fourth place again and just be the same team. They always are. And yeah, this is, yeah. (laughs) I mean, the Paul Pogba to me, it's, 
got to go down as one of the most irresponsible transfers in FIFA history. Which... Yeah, they just saw him as a shiny object and they wanted him back. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> yeah. He he left. He got to be a, a, a truly world-class footballer and they decided, well, we must have him back no matter the cost. They spent 105 million euros on oh. this man. Um, 89.3 million pounds. And if well, they, they he didn't fit, there was you know, they did they paid no attention to whether this was a good footballing decision or not. Yeah, when you think of the four good players you could have bought for a combined 105 million pounds, none of them Paul Pogba, admittedly. In, well, and Stephen, you know, because they bought Paul Pogba, then it kind of like made them shy to spend the money on Jaden Sancho, who would have fit this team really well, and they can't they don't want to spend the money on him because they have Paul Pogba. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I mean, it just is so irresponsible. And like we talked about, they could very well sell him for what? 40, 50 million pounds. Um, maybe not even that they could sell him someplace and he could go and be Paul Pogba again. I don't think there's any question mm. about the talent of the player, but it's just like, it's like you had Albert Pujols in his prime and you had to sit him on your bench because your team didn't have a first base. Like there just wasn't a base there, you know, well, and, and he couldn't play anywhere else. Back... There wasn't a designated hitter. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I just, no, I was going to say, and if you look back through like Man United the past couple of years, they did that with Angel Di Maria. They brought him in, he didn't work out and they let him leave. And you could do that at Pogba, but they want to hold on to him because he's going to go somewhere else and be, amazing but you can't do that and it's like you're stuck in this holding pattern and nothing's working and uh like i love ole but i think he's probably not the coach and you can bring pochettino in and actually have a system and a structure and whatever has there ever <laughs> been anything more obvious to that the poch is is the ole replacement there? Like, <laughs> and that just seems so queer. So set in Yeah, and they need to do it now because Madrid's going to fire Zidane and bring Pochettino in if they don't. So, like, they need to act on it now. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't. Manchester United seems like a team, and forgive me. I want Manchester United to be good because I want to be able to hate them as truly and passionately as I feel that I should. Mm -hmm. But it just feels like a team that's kind of lost right now. And, you know, as, as I, I always say, other than his recent escapades, um, that's always been what so impressed me about Jurgen Klopp is that every move he makes has a purpose. And it just has felt, felt like for a long time that with Manchester United, no move has a purpose. And they all just right. kind of happen to the team. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And, and I don't see it changing immediately. Steven, so let's get back to that Tottenham and Chelsea game. What do oh, you make of Tottenham so God, far? God, do we have to. <laughs> this was this was the game I I I think back to my father, uh, my late father, whom I, I love dearly and whom I, I discuss sports with all the time. Um, and he was never a soccer fan. I mean, you know, his line was essentially the the kind of classic jockey American, well. You know, if I wanted to see people kick a ball for, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't even know where the punchline of that. It's like that old, uh, it's the old Simpson sketch where they're like. <laughs> yeah, it's, the, it's just the basic soccer is boring one-liner, right? Um, yeah. 
and it is what it is. And I, I, when I watch Liverpool now, you know, I, I think, man, I feel like if, if this, you know, if he was still around and, and this team was on, he would like understand why, why this is exciting and, and, you know, why it's cool and, and, it, you know, interesting to watch the sport. And then every once in a while you see a game like this <laughs> and it just makes me go, maybe he was right. Maybe this sport sucks. Because that game is so <laughs> bad. I, I feel like one of the owners of Tottenham or Chelsea actually owes me money. Whatever fraction of a cent they got from my viewership of that game, I would like it. You stole your time, Stephen. It's time theft. <laughs> it was the worst. It was just, it wasn't. It was so clear. And this is this is soccer at its worst. It is, it was so clear from the kickoff that neither team intended to win that game. <laughs> they were, it, it, you, they could have signed a contract on the field stating their intention to have a nil-nil draw. And it would have been no less obvious that that's where they were going with this thing. And, and then it was just 90 minutes of them not doing anything and working towards an, I mean, am I being too harsh here? Because that's what it felt like to me. I don't want to step all over the segment. No. Um, so I, I hadn't done this before and I like, I knew what the answer was going to be, but I just looked up the understat XG of this game. Steven, do you uh, want to have a guess of what Tottenham's XG was for what their expected goals were for this game? I, just, uh, just I take, mean, a, it, take a stab. It, it must be less than, I mean, I know that it's less than one. I'm thinking it must be less than 0.5. I'm going to go 0.3, and I feel like that might be just... You gave them too much credit, Stephen. <laughs> oh 0.23 XG God. versus Chelsea's 0.97. <laughs> oh. Neither team were over one expected goal this whole game. Yeah, what a... And, like, Chelsea had some chances, like, they had a good amount of shots or shot attempts, I should say from inside the box, but then they, then they couldn't find the goal, like the goal at all. They missed like five shots in the box. That's uh, just, it's just, <laughs> ang- I mean, it genuinely angers me because it's why, why, you know, if either of those teams have won, if Tottenham have won, especially, they could have actually like exacted their control over the, mm-hmm. over the Premier League. And Tottenham is so, afraid of ever being less than the top end of mediocre that they'll never allow themselves to climb out of it they are so much more afraid about falling to seventh than they are concerned with ever being first that they'll be stuck there forever and you can say that it's Josie and like you know it kind of is but it's not it's always been that way it was that way when Poch was there it's just that he was a better manager and sometimes <laughs> overcame what the mood of the entire club was, but he didn't obviously overcome it to the point of, of winning titles, you know? <laughs> so like, it's just, yeah. I don't, okay. I, here's I, what I think they're my least favorite club. I, yeah, they're, God, I, it's just so terrible. I like them. There's so <laughs> much to like about them, but then there are ways in which it's just like, you guys are white bread and like, unsalted butter like they're just and like they have <laughs> no son they have kane they have i love those guys i like love... they should be exciting <laughs> i love their players they should be and they're just not 
and I don't. Here's what it. I think happened. So I think like everyone knows what Jose was going to do. He's going to park the bus, put like ten men behind, and like try to get him on the counter. And then I think Frank Lampard went into that knowing Jose's game plan because everyone in the world knows what Jose's game plan is, and then tried to you know out Jose Jose. And <laughs> what we get is probably the most boring game of soccer uh, that. If you take hype level versus outcome on the field, I think it probably is the most boring game. It was the worst. I think it was the it was one of the truly worst I've ever seen. And I tuned into <laughs> the Canadian Premier League a couple of months ago, and uh-huh. when yeah, sports were true. really bad, we we both watched a game, and I got to tell you, clearly better than this one. But I think like we talked about this, and we'll talk about this with the MLS playoffs. At least with like lower quality games, like it's absolute insane at times uh looking at you orlando city and there's a lot more entertainment factor there (laughs) yeah it's uh i I, we've talked about it more than it ever deserved to be spoken no it got way too much airtime uh Um, do you have any closing (laughs) thoughts on the premier league (laughs) um no i mean i don't you know it's it's gonna be a weird year across the board yeah um you know if if liverpool isn't gonna win um which I think it's way too early to be saying that they won't, but I just hope it's somebody interesting. Make it, you know, West Ham. That'd be awesome. Make it Tottenham. I don't know. Southampton Wolves, any of those guys, screw you, Everton. Uh, but anybody, you know, anybody, let's give Leeds a chance. Um, but you know, if it's not going to be Liverpool, I hope it's not just Tottenham or Chelsea because, that would be dull. And uh, also, uh, rip Sheffield United, man. I, thought, <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought the they wheels were just like team. completely falling off. <laughs> I thought they were, you know, scrappy and and fighting and and ready to go, and they are clearly going to be relegated. So, uh, rough one point of ten games is not where you want to be. Yeah, uh, that I mean, would they be, looked that would well, be times last year, like three point three percent of your possible points that you can get. It's not so good. Not, it's not, not great. great. <laughs> <laughs> On pace for like four points this year. <laughs> yeah. yep. Not even not even four full points actually. Uh rough. It's rough. That's not good. <laughs> um, I don't know what what do you think happened to them though seriously? Like were they just way overperforming before the COVID? Yeah, thing? I mean there are times I mean, last year like they we were yeah, we talked about it a little bit after Project Restart. It's like there were times last year they looked not great. Like same kind of thing where they just weren't getting like up enough, like high enough up the field. Um, and then they fixed that a little bit towards the end of the year. And then the other thing is, you know, losing their starting goaltender. Also goalkeeper um, also doesn't help because he kind of buoyed them. You know, Dean Henderson, Manchester United second string, kind of buoyed them because he's probably better than De Gea at this point. And it's one of the better goalies in the league last year. And I think you lose that. So you probably lose a couple of saved goals off of that. And then you're just not like the structure just isn't there like it was last year. And you're like losing to teams that you have no business losing to. And then, but I mean, like every game, like they lost to Sheffield 4-1 or the Chelsea 4-1. But then every game has been like one nothing, 2-1, one nothing. So they're not getting blown out. It's just like the something's wrong with their like attacking structure again mm-hmm. yeah it's uh it's not pretty um yeah so premier league it's uh it is what it is it's a mess but um you know i do think that uh teams like chelsea and tottenham 
could learn a thing or two from literally any MLS playoff games that's ever been played. Oh, I've never been more excited to talk to you, Steven, in my whole life about I any Orlando City game. <laughs> am hooked on, the, 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 I've never tried cocaine. Um, I've lived a very vanilla life, but I can't imagine that doing cocaine would be that much of a different experience from really digging into the MLS playoffs for the first time. I had no idea, Justin, the level of pure insanity that the MLS playoffs were capable of. And it's, it's beautiful. It's incredible. It is such a insult to everything that is soccer in some ways, because as much as I hate Chelsea and Tottenham, that is in many ways, I don't think it's, it has to be that boring, but the idea of, of marshalling your opponent and preventing them from taking chances and controlling the ball and, you know, it, it, soccer is meant to be a chess match, you know, and yeah. the MLS playoffs are Chinese checkers. They are taking a game that is so fundamentally a war of tactics and attrition and turning it into a Mad Max Thunderdome nonsense Oh, there are no rules. There are no rules in Anything can happen. <laughs> Defenders can save penalty kicks that decide the game. You can uh, do a launching slide tackle into the opposing player's Achilles and not get a red card for it. <laughs> or, or you can do a slide tackle into the opponent's calf and get a red card for it like eight seconds into a game. Um, <laughs> you can get red cards for uh, standing in the wrong place, apparently. It mm. is... Oh, it's so perfect. It's I, I can't wait for more games to take place because I'm fully hooked. Um, I also, so, yeah, uh, now you, uh, I want, now I want Orlando City to be in the playoffs every year, by the way. Like this has oh, totally changed my outlook only that, I want them to be welcomed <laughs> back into these playoffs as a wild card. <laughs> I think that this team, that the team that wins the MLS Cup should have to play uh, Orlando City as the final boss in a two. They just like run out series. onto the field. Like Garber's about to hand the trophy out. Orlando City runs onto the field oh, yeah. for some reason and you play another night. Well, minutes. because that's <laughs> how they live. And I'll tell you this I would expect, I would say over under 7.5, and I would take the over on number of red cards that Orlando City would get in a two game aggregate series uh, for the OS Cup. I got to tell you, it, uh, it's wild. So why don't you it's walk insane. us? this because I, you know there were some there were some turds in amongst these games um but most of this was just truly incredible so why don't you yeah. go ahead and take us through so of course disclaimer uh, being we're talking the day before is, i'm Casey sorry to interrupt, but this is like <laughs> just the the pure opposite of tottenham versus chelsea it is the white to that games black or vice versa it is darkness uh versus light and i'm so excited we so have please. team chaos versus uh for serena's new england team yeah it's fantastic um atlanta city versus new england of course <laughs> unfortunately new england win three to one tragic tragic <laughs> probably uh, because 
Orlando City had six legal players by the end of the Yeah, they couldn't play their goalkeeper because their goalkeeper got a red card during the uh, penalty kick <laughs> the game yeah, previously. So, so have we talked <laughs> since then? I don't think we no, have. No, because it was, it was the week before. Them, right? Yeah, we didn't get a chance to talk about the, the so insanity that was. For those, so let's let's go back in time and you can correct me if I get any of this wrong. Okay. Orlando City's uh keeper had picked up a yellow card at some point in the match what's his name it's escaping me at the moment um but he picked back i need to look at the notes to see when exactly it happened but yeah go ahead he had picked up a a yellow card at some point in the matchup uh the game with uh new york city fc which you know was a, a pretty one of the harder to predict games uh in the first round anyway because you know city is has had a weird up and down season and, and, you know, Orlando has been hot and cold. Um, that goes to penalty kicks at that point had Orlando, they'd already lost another player to a red. Yeah. So Ruan got a red card oh, it was, in the it was one nothing city. Right. And then there was a red card and then they tied it. Or am I making yes. that part up? No, you are correct. Okay. <laughs> so with, with 10 men, Orlando ties the game in the final closing minutes. They go to penalties. Also, go no, ahead. go ahead. I want to read out this disciplinary uh, cards situation <laughs> okay. for you, but go ahead. Um, <laughs> there is a penalty shootout, as as anyone knows. Uh, you know, a penalty shootout for the uninitiated is you just stand up. It's it's essentially a firing squad. You stand on a on the ball is on a spot that's what twelve yards from goal. Is that right? Eight yards, twelve. I think twelve. Right. Twelve. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can you know just run up to it and kick it wherever you want. And the fact that any penalty has ever been saved or missed, <laughs> the fact that any penalty kick shootout has ever ended is baffling to me. It just seems so impossible. Uh, but I guess, you know, extra points are missed too. So it is possible, but uh, you get five, it's, you know, usually five shots, but the first one to, you know, if you get three and your opponent gets none, then you win sort of thing, best of five. Mm, um, right. And then, it, you know, a sudden bet thereafter. So uh, I assume most people know that, but who knows? We are introducing a brand new city to a brand new team. So, you know, try to cover the fundamentals here uh, as best we can. It would have been really fun to have Ian try and describe the rules of a penalty <laughs> shootout. That would have been great. Let's do that in the future. Um, we need to make sure that he's watched this entire game, by the way. <laughs> stem to stern, the entire thing. Um, Orlando and uh, New York go deep into the penalties. Everybody's scoring everything. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's gold. It's beautiful. They have, uh, gotten to, I think the five, the fifth with each team scoring and, uh, Orlando, (laughs) Orlando's goalie steps off the line early, which only because they are playing under last year's rules, right? Because this has been changed by FIFA for the (laughs) season that the season that every other sport, the other FIFA league is currently playing the current premier league season does not add this rule but because this is still technically the last mls season uh they are bound by a rule that if you step off the line in a yellow card it's an auto or step off the line in a penalty shootout it's an automatic yellow card um and um so he gets yellow carded it's the second yellow card he's kicked out entirely that means that orlando city 
does not have a goalkeeper because even though they had an extra sub, you can't use it at that. Or did they not have either way? They couldn't sub. They had an extra sub, Stephen, and they tried to sub on their goalkeeper who was then allowed to come on the field, then kicked off the field, then allowed to come back on the field until finally they decided <laughs> that he could not come on the field. The <laughs> uh, so they had one defender, I believe, who stepped up and told their manager that he had been a goalkeeper in the academy until he transitioned into the field and that if someone had to do it it might as well be him who put on the gloves and uh got in goal to take a penalty kick that would decide a playoff game not take excuse me not take try and defend a penalty kick that would decide a playoff game he took he took the line, he stayed on it, did not get a yellow card, and saved the sixth New York City penalty kick, which is miraculous and so embarrassing for the kick taker, right? Um, yeah, he, you shouldn't he, he, ever like, oh, man, you shouldn't yeah. have any penalty <laughs> kick saved, much less by a you know fullback or or whichever position this guy was. Um, and then Orlando City wheels off the field in celebration. This guy runs down the tunnel uh, to go and inform the goalkeeper who'd been sent off that he had saved the day and the goalie didn't have to, you know, cry his eyes out because Orlando was victorious. And it took, what, five minutes for someone to realize that, oh, no, you actually (laughs) have not won the game yet. There's another penalty kick. This is sudden death. You defended first, which means you have to score <laughs> to actually end this thing. It's tied. So it's still tied, by the down. way. <laughs> it's still tied. They settled everyone down. They got him back in the net. Orlando delivers another beautiful, perfect penalty kick. And with nine men and no goalkeepers, they advance past New York City FC, at which point I think you fold the club. I think you just merge yeah, with the Red just, Bulls just and you it. fold the club. Um but they um, they went into a game against New England then severely undermanned without their starting goalkeeper. And New England, uh, the eighth seed, who uh, dispatched with Philadelphia uh, two to nothing in a shot. Uh, which no, Ian was pretty close to predicting, by the way. So we need, yeah, uh, we need to yeah, shout out to Ian. Our, our man <laughs> knows his stuff. Uh, New England, the eighth seed, has advanced uh, all the way to the conference final to take on Columbus. Um, talk to us a little bit about the insanity that was Orlando and New England. You know, oh, wait, you so, read the discipline first. Don't want to forget that. Yeah. Then so the greatest thing about Orlando. this game is I, so full disclosure, I didn't watch this whole game, at least live because I was doing a trail run. And I come home, turn on the game, and then the first thing I see is a red card. <laughs> like <laughs> uh, the Pereira red card. It's the first thing I saw in this game. Like literally like seconds after I turned the game on. That's when you know that you're in for something. All right. So disciplinary record is reading it all out. Oh, I want to read. Hold on. Let me go back to the other game. I forgot that I switched over. All right. So this is a disciplinary game record for the Orlando City NYCFC game. Of course, uh, Nani scored the penalty kick in the fifth minute. Uh, Maxime Chanteau, Chanot, whatever, however you say his name, uh, scored in the eighth minute. And then he just had the rest of the game of insanity. So yellow card uh, against Castellanos in the 70th minute. Reason, argument. Yellow card to Orlando City to Antonio Carlos, reason, argument. Yellow card to Ruan in the 77th minute, reason, unsportsmanlike behavior. Red card to Ruan in the 87th minute for violent conduct. All right, so there's Ruan off. Now you have uh, NYCFC's Gary Mackie-Steven, 
uh, getting into argument, getting a yellow card in the 87th minute as well, part of that violent contact whole ordeal. In the 90th minute, in third minute of extra time, Robin Jansen gets a yellow for unsportsmanlike behavior. In the sixth minute of extra time, <laughs> Andreas Pirea gets a yellow card for unsportsmanlike behavior. In the 103rd minute of the extra playoff, Pedro Galisi, the goalkeeper, gets a yellow card for time-wasting. And then in the 121st minute, uh, Sebastian Iyeha gets a yellow for unsportsman behavior. And then in the shutout, you have Galisi giving his red card for delaying the restart of play. <laughs> so, uh, so that's a mouthful. And then you roll into the next game, which, you know, it's a breath of fresh air. There's no uh, disciplinary happening for quite a while until the 28th minute, Stephen, uh, which Adam Buxa of New England got a yell for unsportsmanlike behavior. <laughs> Antonio Carlos got a yell for unsportsmanlike behavior. Dale Dyke getting a yell for unsportsmanlike behavior. Uh, Mauricio Perea getting a red for a serious foul of which he tried to take off the leg of a, a New England <laughs> midfielder of which Nani put his hands on the ref trying to argue and got a yell for it. Orso, pretty seen. much doing the same thing getting yellow as well <laughs> i'm truly honored that the man took the time to make an argument against that <laughs> cut and dry penalty it was really impressive that's going to be a red anywhere in the world and nani decided to take major offense to it <laughs> <laughs> he kicked the man's upper calf with his spikes and there's <laughs> nani's offended it was delightful and then was Nani the one who, who had the headbutt later on was that that wasn't him was it oh uh, that was, you or was that Urso a totally different one. game that was later on Urso got but okay. Nani was fired up like the rest of the game he is like oh yeah it was pretty much like pushing the ref around <laughs> yeah I, I remember it was it was beautiful that um yeah so it was wow I was maybe I was, uh, maybe in our future ideal MLS playoffs we just let Nani onto the field. Maybe the rest of the game someone has to play with Nani as like an extra man and just oh please Columbus. <laughs> I want Nani and Giassi on the same squad. Um answer this question or not answer this mm-hmm. question. I have to say until New England scored that third goal and not even necessarily even then did I fully <laughs> count Orlando out of this game. <laughs> Uh, Orlando, who was down, what, 12 men at this point? 12 of their starting 11? Yeah, they're just uh, playing with, like, one guy wandering yeah. around. <laughs> and there's Nani, and he's not stopped yelling at the referee <laughs> this entire time. Uh, it ah, Delightful. Just delightful. Um, you have more to say about that one before we move on? No, I mean, like, New England actually looks pretty good. Uh, Gustavo Bao yeah. is pretty much on fire, and I think they are – a real team to reckon with, but honestly, I am so much more one to talk about and need to talk about Orlando that they seem like I mean, a fiddle, fiddle at this point. That's the beauty <laughs> of uh, MLS Cup is that any really anyone can do it, you know? And mm. if New England wins it, nobody's going to care that they were an eighth seed. Uh, Columbus, on the other side, has had a, a much more mundane um, trip to the uh, conference final. Uh, you know, did have a narrow three to two victory over New York Red Bulls with their brand new manager for reasons uh, and then healthily dispatched 
uh, two to nothing Nashville, who, uh, you know, I think it's good for Nashville teams to get a little success early because I think it convinces them that mediocrity is actually mm. uh, success, which is obviously where <laughs> the Predators have been for the better part of two decades now. So maybe maybe it's a good thing for Nashville to think that they're hot, you know, and think mm, that right. they're actually worthwhile. So maybe a second round exit isn't the worst thing for the long term. Um, on the other side, of course, naturally, uh, even though both of the uh, conference, the Eastern Conference games were decided uh, by November 29th on the Western Conference, uh, we know one semifinal team that was decided yesterday, and uh, we know we'll not know another until tomorrow because MLS Cup, MLS because, Cup, yeah. who cares? <laughs> there are no rules. And then they'll play the conference final like the next day. You're thinking, yeah, you're thinking, well, at least their conference finals will be staggered. No, no, they're one day apart, even though the, <laughs> even though the, the conference semis were six months apart. The conference finals are See, one I don't know day what apart. you expect from them. <laughs> yeah. And then the team that will be less rested from the conference semis will also be less rested going into the uh, finals. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, Sporting KC and San Jose also had a legitimate barn burner, maybe the greatest soccer game I've ever watched in my life. Uh, ended tragically with a, a very boring penalty. Well, I don't know if it's boring. I've never seen one decided 3-0 before, so <laughs> that's impressive. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, I mean Emilia, he's just a brick wall. He can't score any PKs against him. No, he's that was a, that he's was San guy. Jose's fault. They should have known that, not wanting to get into that business. They should have. Uh, you know, that was uh, Wando's potentially final game. Uh, Roger Espinoza scored in the fourth minute, and it seemed like uh, Sporting KC had every reason to just, uh, you know, hold on and, and dispatch with a clearly inferior San Jose team. Uh, a lot of people think Sporting KC is a little overrated this year, but uh, they are not overrated in comparison to Sport, uh, San Jose, you would think, except that Carlos Fierro and Shea Salinas scored in the 22nd and 34th minute. Uh, to give them a two-to-one lead going into halftime. Sporting KC early in the second half, uh, make it two-to-two. And then in the 90th minute plus one, Gianluca Busio makes it three-to-two, seemingly giving Sporting Kansas City an insurmountable lead. And then, of course, in the seventh minute of, of, an, of stoppage time that was only supposed to have four minutes, Chris Wondolowski, <laughs> the greatest scorer in MOS history in what could possibly be his final match at 96-38 uh, in a game that was supposed to end in the 94th minute, scores an equalizer. Beautiful. Um, you can't script these things, Steven. MLS Cup! MLS Cup! <laughs> what do you even... It's MLS Cup, you know? Um also, I like how uh, on their website, this video of Chris Wondolowski is too shrunken to, uh, <laughs> to uh, see. Can you hear that on the, uh, on the old Zoom call when I play that, Justin? Are you hearing any noise? No, I'm not hearing anything. Well, that's a shame because I was just going to put it right there in the uh, – right there uh, in the – It's MLSsoccer.com for you. Yeah, well, you know, it is what it is. But uh, what a moment. It was insane. Chris Wondolowski, an MLS legend. Um truly embarrassing defense quite frankly mm. on that goal but it's a it's a goal and it's it's beautiful it's a shame that san jose fell i mean i think the right team won um but uh man what a match 
Um, what, I, right. what I want to pose to you, Stephen, before we close out the podcast is that we have this kind of consolation game of San Jose versus Orlando City. I think that someone needs to make that happen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the oh, end yeah. Year. I think both of those teams should be given another shot at this. And let's not overlook uh, FC Dallas <laughs> after 15 penalty kick goals surpassed and beat Portland. Uh, nobody saw that coming. Is that one Ian predicted? I know he oh, picked shoot. some wild upsets, but I think he likes Portland. So I think that was not yeah, one. Yeah, no, predicted. I think he had Portland going through. Uh, and Seattle handily defeated uh, LAFC three to one. Um, and then Seattle, you know, defeated FC Dallas, who nobody expected to make it even that far, uh, one to nothing. So yeah, and now currently we have Columbus and New England in the Eastern Conference Final, uh, Seattle and to be determined. Wow, way to go, Greg. Uh, or not Greg, Don. Uh, sorry, I just assumed of somebody who was disappointing. Yeah, Greg, <laughs> Greg, Greg, Greg came up first. Uh, but you know what, Greg, maybe he deserves to be forgiven. Maybe Don will be the uh, centerpiece of all my wrath now. But mm-hmm. yes, in the other bracket, Sporting KC in Minnesota um, will hopefully be more interesting than Chelsea Tottenham, but I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> Uh, who do you think wins that one, Justin? You I think, think Sporting. Uh, yeah, you think they hang on? I think they will, too. They should have they uh, Polito back, right? Well, he, uh, yeah, he should. he's supposed to maybe play, and I think this moving a day back kind of helped him out in that case. Because I think they're, bold... they're so much of a better team with Polito, So Yeah, that was yeah. a bold decision uh, by their manager to not have him in the San Jose game, and I think it showed. So I think they will be a little less. You know, it's good to be cautious with a guy, but you also mm. are in the playoffs and need yeah. three wins to secure an MLS Cup. So well, that's why I texted like... you guys. I'm like, I think a 70% Polito is still their best striker by like a country yeah. mile. So. Yeah. <laughs> but it is what it is. Five teams remain in the MLS Cup. Oh, what a sport. Just what a, sport. What a fantastic. Greatest, uh, greatest sporting event all, all time? I would say it, this is right up there with Soccer Slam. As the truly that and like Tough WrestleMania three, uh, yeah. as the truly greatest sporting events in the history of the planet Earth. Um, soccer Slam, look it up, folks, if you're not familiar. Well, uh, Pablo Mar soccer uh, uh, spelled athletic. with spelled like Rock'em Sock'em, yeah, and check it out on uh, on the athletic too. It's uh, man, it's great. Uh, so yeah, that's uh. Man, we covered a lot today. I don't even know how long we've been going when you factor in the interview at the end of, of the day. Yeah, it's going to be a Goliath of a podcast, but I think everyone's going to enjoy hey, it. Hey, the, the people want it. The people want to hear it. They want to hear us talk about soccer and, and wax poetic about uh, they sure do. the uh, um, MLS Cup. Before we go, uh, lest they be overlooked, their uh, dominance continues. The U.S. women's national team. Uh, take on Netherlands and have a uh, two to nothing victory, I believe, uh, on Friday. Um, I, I, it almost becomes rote because they are so good and they are so elite. Um, but I never want to overlook uh, just how good those, uh, that team is. And, and I don't have a lot to add. It was cool to see Alex Morgan get back on the field after her, uh, for I think, first child, right? Which is Mm-hmm. Another incredible aspect. I think she said there were nine other mothers in the uh, dressing room uh, for this team, which is just, I can't imagine being 
a top athlete in the world having a child and then returning to that form is just like an incredible accomplishment. So uh, all respect to them. Didn't want to overlook them. Just uh, I don't think they're. Yeah. And uh, look at that Rose Lavelle goal if you haven't watched it already is, mm-hmm. is all I'll add there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not not a ton to analyze in a friendly win over Netherlands uh, from the best women's soccer team in the world, but still happened and don't want it to go ignored. So uh, with that, Justin, anything else you'd like to say? No, uh, no, nope, nope. Uh, long live Orlando and yep. <laughs> yeah, we will have a, uh, an episode here either, you know, right after the 12th or maybe even before, maybe a, a final preview. Who knows? We'll figure it out. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll get it done and we'll hopefully have some more interviews in the not too distant future too. So it's, it's all looking up for the, uh, for the old soccer talk lads podcast and that is ye old with an e at the end of old because we've been around so long very snobby yes (laughs) we are established and vintage uh you know mls is about pretending a lot of um a lot of uh you know oldness that you aren't actually entitled to so i think uh, we'll just continue that tradition (laughs) all right that's it for me that's it from Justin. I assume, unless he wants to go on a tangent here, I will talk no, to you all real no. soon. No tangent. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> We lace these cleats up, there's a revolution coming, stepping in this Bruce Arena, here we go. Had you let applaud, it started from the bottom, beat them up, heated up all summer, now it's time to take the autumn. Who's that boat? About to come and take October, colder up in mass, cleats are on the grass, pass, pass, musket blast, that's the rep. Crosses flying, climbing up the Carlos Hill, never quit, going still, stop and shine for the kill, for the win. Mama, 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 can't you see what New England done for me? Soon as ball get on the feet, revolution, family. It's been really quite the year Oh no, we're not stopping here Riding like we're Paul Revere All the blood and sweat and tears Let's go! Let's go.